The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. A Tuesday upon us and Sean Hackett joins us with Hackett Financial Advisors. We look at the market, Sean, and there's a lot of factors that are coming in, both from the grain and the livestock perspective. As we start out, though, on the grain side, we kind of saw a mixed type of market today. We had the first official USDA crop progress information come out in yesterday's report in the afternoon. Looking at all the things that are happening, we've got the weather in the Midwest. What are some of the key factors that you're looking at for this grain? complex? Well, I really think that, you know, the market got the initial acreage numbers that the farmers said they were intending to plant as of March 1st, um, and the market obviously reacted violently to that, but clearly the market's going to be looking at continued weather, where does it get wet, where does it get dry, you know, where is the progress being made, where is it not, to determine how much modulation there should be in those numbers, but I think it's at least we think it's you know fairly uh, safe to say that corn acres will be coming down, soybean acres will be coming up, and certainly cotton acres. There's a real, I mean, I, we, we have no understanding how the cotton acres could be down from last year, given how profitable prices have been. So we we think cotton acres are going to be up a lot in in full uh, acres away from 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 other places. So so right now, you know, we're thinking um, you know that that's going to be what the market's up mind is, and we think that's the reason why we didn't get much follow through to the downside in corn prices that many thought was going to happen because. The numbers are really hard to, to fathom are going to be true when we get to the June acreage report. You talk about the uh, the June acreage report, and we know that there's going to be a lot of pressure on that. At least that's what the talks have been, because we don't know where we're sitting right now in the upper Midwest. Was there 11 states that have been affected by some sort of flooding, which equals a demand in any sort of planting up here? Well, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's, it, the problem hasn't gone away, um, and unfortunately... You know, the, the, the planning intentions was made prior to that flooding really coming into front and center. You know, March 1st was really just before all that came about. So, so those really can't be relied upon. It's a starting point. You know, it's a place that we can move the guide counter up or down, but clearly there's going to be some big, big changes and, and the market will start to figure out which changes and how much they're going to be. I think prices will start to react. We think, you know, corn prices are going to start to head back up again despite it's seemingly, you know, a, a very, very bearish set of numbers from corn grain stocks and, and, and the acreage we think corn can actually hit higher here. So. You talk about the corn prices. I was under the understanding today that we might have seen a little bit of spillover pressure coming from the wheat market. Undoubtedly, you know, the wheat uh, and, the, and the corn do tend to pull each other uh, around a little bit. And, and, and clearly, you know, the wheat market being under a lot of pressure in the last month has not helped the corn market and certainly helps it along. But even then, but even that, you know, the wheat price is getting to a point where, um, you know, it, quite frankly, the acreage numbers on Friday were actually somewhat friendly to the wheat market, although it was not friendly in terms of the wheat stocks that they came out with. But overall, we think wheat prices are really stretching the downside here. We think that they could also start to firm up. Look at today, a hard red winter wheat down almost 12 at one point, ended the day only down one. You know, that could be a very important reversal day that that says that the washout is over for now and we and that would help corn go back up again as well you before we started the Fontenelle final bell you and i were talking a little bit about a decline that we saw in the overnights and reversals and how it's all tying into the u.s dollar 
Well, we follow um, a lot of different things, but in uh, recent years, Bitcoin has been a very good indicator, forewarning indicator for important turning points in the U.S. dollar. We had been suggesting that Bitcoin was ready for a big breakout to the upside, and if that were to happen, it would tend to forewarn for an eventual breakdown in the U.S. dollar as they are inversely proportional. Last night, we saw Bitcoin go up 25% in the overnight trade, if you can believe that, and that huge breakout suggests to us that we could be looking at a dollar rolling over you know, later this month, and of course that would be super helpful to getting exports going and to helping U.S.-based uh, grain market pricing. So we're pretty encouraged that that breakout has occurred, and it's been a great indicator for the last couple of years in predicting major dollar tops and bottoms. You know, we always talk about the dollar and its effects on the livestock side. Not much attention has been put on how the dollar is affected on the grain complex. I'm sorry, what was that? And I said not a lot of uh, talk has been put as to the dollar on the grain complex. So it's nice to hear that from an export standpoint. Yeah, I mean, look, the dollar's been strong ever since the trade war began. If you look at a chart of the dollar, it's been rising ever since that began in May and June. It's been basically working its way you know, ever so higher, and, and that just continues to be a headwind and a headwind at a time when we've had a lot of uncertainty, trade wars, you know, all kinds of, of political uh, problems and issues. Um, and so if, if we can get a friendlier currency market, boy, that would really, really be uh, a shot in the arm, especially if we can get some, some weather worries and concerns to get going here in spring and early summer. We can finally get a rally that farmers can be proud of and maybe find some prices to sell into. And as we know, the, the on-again, off-again talks of China continue to have an effect on these grains as well. Yeah, I mean, they keep talking and they keep coming uh, here. We keep going there and they keep coming here. And I guess the idea that they keep talking is good news. I guess if they stop talking, we'd be really concerned. But, it, you know, we certainly hope we're finally getting to the end of this uh, long, long-winded negotiation. But, um, you know, sure it'd be nice to, to get something something closed here before the, the, uh, the spring is out because it's, it's really wearing on everyone's patience at this point. Well, at this point, does it just seem like it's a ho-hum type of news when you look at this grain just an on-again, off-again type of situation until it actually makes some good news? Yeah, I think the market is just content with not really reacting to it as much as they had been before. When we thought maybe this thing would be resolved quickly later last year and early this year, the market reacted more, more violently, but now I think they are taking a wait-and-see approach and not getting too excited by Mnuchin said this and Lighthizer said that, and I do agree that they've kind of said, look, let us know when something really is important. In the meantime, we're just going to we're just going to put that off to the side. And we're going to focus on things like currencies and weather until you give us a reason to react to trade again. Some good information. Stick around, folks. We do have more coming up. It's the Fontenelle final bell for you on this Tuesday afternoon. Sean Hackett joins us. We come back. We're going to hit on African swine fever, the effects we're seeing on the trade, and of course, take a look at some interesting happenings within the dairy. It's the Fontenelle final bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Sean Hackett joins us with Hackett Financial. We were talking dairy, which we always love to do with you, Sean. And you say that from an international perspective, there's some exciting things happening that could affect our dairy producers. Well, yeah, I mean, the the U.S., unfortunately, is not the global price for milk because we kind of have a more of a domestic market uh, to some extent. GDT, which is where New Zealand sells their milk, represents the international price. And since, really, uh, December, prices have been rising. They've been up for one, two, almost, let's see now, 14 straight auctions we've seen prices 
of cheese and butter going straight up. In fact, they're up 30% off of the lows. And so we haven't seen a move like that, international milk prices, in a very long time. And usually when you look at the relationship between the GDT international price and the domestic price in the U.S., there has tended on average to be about a three-month lag between when U.S. starts to respond to those higher prices in that gap. And so when you look at where we are, April really is sort of the third month uh, removed from when that price rise really started going. So we feel if history repeats based upon this relationship, milk prices domestically in the U.S. can finally start to narrow that gap and shoot a 10 or 20% move from current prices would really, really help the dairy guy uh, you know, put some money, uh, you know, back in his balance sheet. So. You, you know, if we could rewind time, it was probably about oh, a month and a half, two months ago when you made the comment, let's get to the second quarter for these dairy farmers. We're going to start to see some positive things happen. We're into that second quarter. We're in that second quarter. Uh, everything is in place for this to happen. Um, and, and while at that time we could not have anticipated necessarily that world prices would be up this much, uh, it just makes the case even more bullish and more more likely that second quarter is going to prove to be an important turning point for dairy farmers to see better prices and a better outlook, especially for later in the year when they actually can put some good equity back into their businesses after you know, quite a while of having to remove equity, which is not what they want to continue seeing. Is there any concerns or should there be concerns for the dairy producers when it comes to making those feed purchases considering the current state the upper Midwest is in? Well, certainly feed prices are low. And as we're moving into a potential period where the dollar could roll over and weather could come into it come into the fray, uh, I would not want to be short grain at this point if I'm a dairy producer wanting to make sure I can have a good year. Because if your prices start to go up and you don't lock in the feed, and then feed prices start to move, then, then, you, then you, you, you kind of lower the impact of those higher prices. So we do believe uh, dairymen should really be making sure they're locking in their feed prices into the fall getting these prices locked in because if prices move, then they can really, really have a banner year, which is what we want them to have and see. Well, another area that we've had a lot of concern and a lot of discussions as of late has been African swine fever, and we know that it continues to spread within China and to other countries as well. But as you look at that and the factors it's bringing back to the United States, what are some key things for our producers? We have moved um, in African swine fever from speculation of when demand is coming to now demand has come. We have seen clear evidence that China's buying U.S. pork, Brazilian pork. For example, JBS, which is one of the largest protein meat producers in the world, exports to China are up 100% in the month of February and March. I mean, it's just it's just phenomenal increases in exports of you know, pork and beef and chicken. And so uh, we look at Australian prices. They've gone parabolic on 30% in just the last month based upon the drought being a kind of finally removed and having this herd liquidation end and demand continuing to go strong. And those are all kind of these indicators that China is in the demand for mode for buying meat, proteins. We've seen the hog prices domestically go up. And for dairy producers, you know, one of the things that's been keeping production under wraps has been a significant amount of culling of dairy cows. Well, if cattle prices continue to move higher, that could accelerate the culling of dairy cows and actually further pressure production at a time that demands ready to rock and roll because of these international spread between prices there and here. So really, African swine fever can actually be a huge bullish driver for dairy on top of everything else that we mentioned. So we, we think it's an all-encompassing thing for African swine fever and domestic 
livestock and dairy producers. When do you think we might see a pickup in demand for the U.S. for our proteins in order to feed, for example, folks in China? For, I mean, the uh, I mean, feed, feed demand? Feed demand and, and just meat demand as well. Well, I mean, we've already started seeing the, uh, you know, the demand from China for hogs starting to go up. We've already seen, you know, some pretty good exports there for a little while. Um, for, for beef, we're going to need a trade deal. I mean, remember, we had 10 years when we were on embargo with them, and we only came off of it about a year before the trade war. And so, you know, we're going to need to get a trade deal going to sell beef directly to the Chinese. But what we will say is the Chinese buying all kinds of beef from Australia and Brazil and deprived supply that normally would go to Japan and to Korea, then we can see significant increases in uh, exports to those countries as a default mechanism to China buying beef from other places that they're accustomed to buying from. And so What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.